Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is Turf Talk Thursdays. Now what do we generally do on Turf Talk Thursdays? I go over the upcoming week's schedule of games, discuss things like you know keys to victory, uh, things to look out for. Uh, I'll even discuss some of the betting lines or odds uh, for the over-under or the point spread. But this week's episode of it, we won't be doing it exactly like that. Uh, this is episode 12 of Turf Talk Thursdays. And for those of you who want to get more of the football information that I have to provide, the best way to do it is to follow me on Twitter at CJFlorida9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out, and the number nine. <clears throat> Excuse me. This week, we're going to be going over a little bit of the playoff picture talk. So I'm going to start with that, and then I'm going to go into the week 18 games because they affect some of the, not just seedings, but even the teams that are going to get in to some of the playoff spots. So without further ado, we're gonna go ahead and jump in for the teams that have made the postseason and the teams that are you know, looking to make it. Now, in the AFC, there are five teams that have clinched. In the NFC, there are six teams that have clinched. So right now, you, you roughly have I think in the AFC, you have five teams kind of jockeying to make those final two spots, and you have two looking to make uh, the final two spots in the NFC. So let's go over the AFC playoff picture. I'm going to give you what the current seed is for the teams, and then I'm going to give you where I expect them to end up. All right? So the first one is going to be the Tennessee Titans. Now, the Tennessee Titans have had just an interesting season, going from being a dominant team to losing their best player to looking like they were on life support, not going to win the division, to now looking like the number one seed. And it's been bolstered by the play on both sides of the line, but especially that defensive line. They've played excellent football. You know, they've been stacking talent for quite a bit of time, and now that talent's coming to fruition. Also, picking up talent on the back end. Um, They've been drafting safeties who can play ball for years or picking up guys who could do so. They've got a string of cornerbacks that at one point in the season got injured, they were able to win a game against Buffalo with like the fourth and fifth string corners because of all the injuries that occurred. So they're a team that, they're they're a testament to how their coach coaches. He They're part of his personality, Mike Rabel. And that's been able to kind of float them until now I said they're, they're getting Derrick Henry back sometime. Uh, whether or not it's, if they don't get the number one seed and he has a play in the first uh, playoff game, the, the wild card round, uh, that's to be seen. I think they, they would love to get that, that number one overall seed, get that bye week, and then they can give him even another week to rest and they can kind of ramp up his practice time and get him in better football shape. I think they're going to end up with a number one seed. They're playing against, I believe, the Houston Texans this particular week. And with that being the game, you know, the Texans are a dangerous team, especially when you're playing on the road. This is not a cakewalk game. It's a, a divisional game as well. And sometimes, you know, teams clinch up a little bit and some teams love to play spoilers. So this is not anything that's assured, but they'll have some extra ammunition if this team, the number two team currently that they're tied with from a record standpoint, but the tiebreaker is the head-to-head, wins on Saturday. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. Now the Chiefs are likely to win. I think that they're probably going to win. We'll discuss that a little more when we get to each individual game. But scheduling this their game on Saturday does give Tennessee a look as to whether or not they really have to go through with playing to their full potential, you know, um, Tennessee is, you know, slated to get that number one seed, and depending on what Kansas City does, they'll know how to manage 
uh, the, the pieces that they need to, to use. They'll probably have to play those guys pretty significant minutes because Kansas City's likely to win their Saturday game. The number three seed right now is the Cincinnati Bengals. I believe they'll end up with the number four seed, and here's why. Joe Mixon was out uh, to start. I think he was in COVID protocol. I could be wrong on that, but I know that he was out. Now Joe Burrow's going to be out. If you have those two guys out, I'm not saying that they're trying to rest, but maybe they're just of the mindset that whether it's the three or four seed, we don't care. And if they're going to possibly lose that game to the Cleveland Browns, whoever wins the NFC, I mean the AFC East, will end up with the three seed. And right now, the Buffalo Bills are in the lead. They're the four seed currently. If they beat the Jets, they're going to win the division from the tiebreaker. They're going to get the three seed, in my opinion. Them sitting at the three seed, they're a pretty dangerous team. Playing in Buffalo's no cakewalk, and I don't think many teams want to go do that. New England Patriots are sitting at five. So I think that the Patriots will probably beat the Dolphins, although playing in Miami is a tough place to play. I think they end up with the five seed. They'll probably have to play Cincinnati in Cincinnati. That'll be a very interesting game, to be honest. So those are the five teams that are locks in the AFC to make the playoffs. Now here are the teams that are up and slated. The Indianapolis Colts, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. What do I see happening here? Honestly, it's almost assured. In fact, I'm it's assured. The winner of the Chargers Raiders game is gonna make the playoffs. It's just a seeding thing at that point. I do think that this one is interesting. Now listen, I think the Colts are probably gonna beat the Jaguars. But hear me out on this. I've seen weirder things happen. And if the weird thing happens the way that the weird thing happens, the Baltimore Ravens will make the postseason. Because they have the tiebreaker over the Indianapolis Colts. The team that I don't see getting in is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to beat the Baltimore Ravens, even if Lamar doesn't play. So I essentially and effectively think they're out. Though I think they maintain their record of not having a losing seasons under Tomlin as they end up with an 8-1 eight, eight and one record. Who would have thought the tie comes in to help him maintain that record and break the NFL's record? amazing good underrated coach every freaking year there's an excuse as to why he's not one of the top coaches to me he's the number two coach in the entire nfl you can you can say he's not yours but guess what you can't argue that he's not it'd just be a bad argument you don't really have one sorry so let's go to the nfc the green bay packers are currently the number one seed i believe that they've clinched the number one seed so it's kind of a discussion piece of whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to play this, that, or the other. I think that he's going to start the game. I think that they're probably going to, because if they're going to get the number one seed, they're already getting a bye. It's almost like you want the prep for Rodgers. Even if it's just the warm-ups of the game, he comes out and he almost does it as, it's just to keep things going. You know, if it, it's almost treated like uh, week two of the preseason back in the day, or to some extent week one of the preseason, now that they've gone to three games. It's just more of that dress rehearsal to make sure that he's used to getting and everyone's used to getting into to the groove. Uh, sit guys that have injuries and maybe Rodgers ends up sitting just because of that. All right, the number two seed right now is the Los Angeles Rams. They're likely to get the two seed. I believe that they're gonna actually get rid of that streak against the San Francisco 49ers. I think they've lost five straight and I think they end up getting a W here and that'll give them the two seed. The three seed here is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they end up with the three seed. If the Rams end up winning, I doubt the Bucks lose, but even if they lose, they're guaranteed the three seed, if that makes sense. 
they would tie with the Cowboys. The Cowboys would have won. They have the head-to-head. The only way that they go into the two-seat is if they win and the Rams lose, which is possible, but not likely, in my opinion. So they could move up to the two-seat. But the three is where I expect it. The four seed right now is the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to be the four seed. There's nothing that they can do in my mind unless there's some weird confluence of things where the Rams lose, they win, the Bucks win, they get the three seed, the Bucks get the two seed, and the Rams get the five, uh, the four seed, which is the only way that I could see that happening. And also the Cardinals have to lose, I believe, at that point because the Rams, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how they wouldn't get not get the four seed. They're going to get the four seed. <laughs> That's just where I think they're going to be. I think they're fairly locked into that. The five seed, the Arizona Cardinals are currently there. They're either going to be the five seed or the two, three seed. It's one of those, the two, three, or five. That's where they can land. They're kind of stuck at the five seed right now. So they'll probably be rematched against the Cowboys. And that'll be a very interesting matchup. The six seed, and they're virtually locked into the six seed, is the Philadelphia Eagles. Here's why they're virtually locked into the six seed. Unless the 49ers win they're going to be the 6th seed because if the 49ers lose and the Saints win they're the 6th seed if the 49ers now if all three teams win or lose I should say I think the 49ers and Eagles that would make them the 7th seed but that's the only way so the teams that are jockeying for the last playoff spot are the Francisco 49ers and the New Orleans Saints I think the Saints are more apt to beat the Falcons than the 49ers are to beat the Rams. But just in case, that's the only way that the Eagles move to the seventh seed. So that's the quick overview of the playoffs. If things kind of operate in the fashion that I expect them to, let's say things all play out the, the, the way that I expect it. Again, Tennessee and Green Bay get the, get the buys, right? Kansas City would be facing off against the Baltimore Ravens in the first round. That's an excellent matchup for them. I think they end up winning that game. Um, I think, and I'll have to make sure on this, that the other way that it could go is they face off against the Colts, but it's either, no, it would be, if the upset happens with the Colts, they'd face off against the Ravens because I think the Ravens will win that game against the Steelers. If the Colts win their game, they'll play the winner of the Raiders and the Chargers, which I think Kansas City would prefer the Raiders because of what they're able to do to that defense. The Buffalo Bills would probably be the three seed, and they'd be playing the Colts. That is a terrible matchup for them. Just awful matchup. I think last year in the playoffs, the Colts outplayed them as far as they looked like they were the better team, but the Bills made the better plays, if that makes sense. Colts were dropping passes. The Bills were making great plays in timely fashion. Kudos to them. But it's a bad matchup for them playing against the Colts. And then the Bengals and the Patriots. Honestly, I would pick the Bengals in that one in a close matchup because I don't trust Mac Jones under pressure. And they're able to generate pressure on him with just rushing four. Um, and I trust Joe Barrow, to be honest, to figure things out, even with them locking up, let's say, Jamar Chase. That's why they have all those options for him. On the other side, Green Bay will get the bye. I think the Rams end up with the two seed, with the two seed, and they'd be playing the New Orleans Saints. I think they win that game, but in frustrating fashion. Now, I would think that the Saints would lose that one literally by four. It would be a low-scoring, ugly, annoying game where they pick off Matt Stafford multiple times, but Taysom Hill's unable to move the ball enough to get the W, so I'd have the Rams in that. The three seed would be the Bucks. They'd be playing the Eagles. Upset special here. I know that people think that I'm hating on the Bucks. 
the turmoil, the issues that are happening, and a hot team in the Eagles that when we get into the games this week, I think we'll get some things done and they're rolling. I think they would actually beat the Bucks in Tampa. And then the Cardinals versus the Cowboys. I would be trending towards the Cardinals winning that particular game because the Cowboys, as talented as they are, make a lot of mistakes. All right, so let's move on to the games of week 18. So the first game on the slate is going to be a Saturday game. It's the Chiefs at the Broncos. Now, this can sometimes be a, a little bit of a disturbing game as far as the Chiefs don't play their best football at the Broncos. But knowing what I know about the current Broncos and the current Chiefs, that 11 and a half point spread feels pretty safe that I think that they beat them. I think that the Chiefs blow them out, get the game over with, and effectively use the second half, especially the fourth quarter, as a time to rest their starters, make sure the guys that need a little bit of a, a breather get that uh, in this one. I think they score early often and they get it over with. Next game is the Cowboys and the Eagles. I talked about this earlier. I actually think the Eagles beat the Cowboys. You're not giving the Eagles credit for how resilient they are. You know who the Eagles remind me of a lot? And this is going to sound crazy. The Eagles remind me, this 2021 Eagles team reminds me of the 2019 Tennessee Titans team where you don't understand how annoying it is to have a team run the ball down your throat, play great on the back end, up front on the defense and on the offensive line, they're shoving you around, and by the fourth quarter, you're just tired and frustrated. People forget that team with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and the rest of the boys went to New England and beat them. People forget that that team then went to Baltimore and beat them. And then they were beating Kansas City until Kansas City said, all right, cancel Christmas, we're better than you. And that's just, the, this Eagles team reminds me of that. Remember, Mike Rabel wasn't long for the job at that point. He hadn't been on the job for 10, 15 years. Only a handful. And I know Lick Sirianni is not Mike Rabel. I'm not saying he is. And I'm not even saying that, you know, I expect him to be this amazing coach. What I'm saying is, he's doing his job. I have to give him kudos. That team's doing their job. And you don't want to get hit in the mouth, folks. Trust me. So this team reminds me of that team. I think that they beat the Cowboys. And then if they play the Bucks, I think they beat the Bucks in the playoffs because it will be the 3-6 matchup that they'd end up playing. And that's not shade. That's just, it's a bad matchup at this stage of what the Bucks are doing for the Bucks. I know these people say, oh, they stopped the run and all this stuff. Listen, now that they understand a little bit of gap and movement and how they run the ball, and Jalen Hurts has got some confidence. So those are the Saturday games. Sunday game, the Saints are playing at the Falcons. Now, Saints are four and a half point favorites. Saints are used to getting upset and losing to the Falcons because this seems to happen every year, right? The Falcons for years have tortured the Saints, except for this. I would feel worse about this game if the Falcons hadn't already beaten the Saints. And the Falcons were rough to talent. Not having Calvin Ridley. I think that uh, Kyle Pitts might be out for this game. I think the Saints, they don't roll them, but I think the Saints win fairly comfortably by 10 against the Falcons in this particular matchup. Bengals and Browns. I think the Browns get this one simply because the Bengals, to some extent, will just be on autopilot. If the Browns lose this game to fall to 7 and 10, 
with a healthy quarterback playing, yo, they might have to blow some of this up. They might have to blow some of this up. This that, that would be that would be tragic if they lose this game, considering the people that are sitting for the the, the, the Bengals. Another divisional matchup where you probably have teams sitting some starters is the Packers and the Lions. That's why the Lions are only three and a half for the Packers. Because the Packers have more talent. They just do. And they'll be playing a lot of their defensive players, the ones that don't have Knicks. I doubt that Aaron Rodgers plays any significant time, if at all. Um, and this may be a time for a guy like Jordan Love to actually get his sea legs. We saw how bad he was at Kansas City, but people forget. It was at Kansas City against Kansas City. Surprise. <clears throat> this is not Kansas City. This is Detroit much easier if he can't do it against Detroit we've got some serious questions Kansas City was much better than people wanted to give him credit for being at that stage I have the Packers winning this one and probably by more than three and a half you have the Bears and the Vikings I actually like the Bears in this matchup here's why I think the Vikings are at a point of frustration teams that have enough talent and should have been in the playoffs because to be honest the Vikings should be in the playoffs not the Saints Surprise. Sorry, Saints fans. Considering all the stuff the Saints went through, the Vikings should have a playoff spot right now. But they just decided to not be good. So they might as well not be good again. So I think the Bears end up getting this W. Watch the football team against the Giants. Yo, I think they're either starting Jake Fromm or Brian Lewerke. The Giants are. Let's move forward. Yo, Triple down on that defense. If you're in Daily Fantasy, I don't even know why it's plus 5,000 on, on FanDuel. It should be plus 7,500. should be way more than that. Next game on the slate, the Colts and the Jaguars. I fully expect the Colts to win this game. I don't like that 15.5 point spread for two reasons. If they are beating the Jaguars and beating the brakes off them, they are going to pull their starters. 15.5 is a lot of points to keep up. That's a line that you put down, not only when you think a team's better than, but when you think a team's going to keep trying to win, they're they're apt to pull their starters. I would actually tell you to take the, the Jags and the points on this one, um, simply because that's just a lot of points. It is a road game, too. Again, this game goes one of two ways. Either the Jaguars come out and play game, and then the Colts win a close one, or the Colts go up big by, let's say, 21 and end up only winning by 14 to 10, like some somewhere in there. So... I would take the Jags and the points because 15 and a half is a lot to cover in a last week of the week game when you don't have a bye the next week. Steelers and the Ravens. I've kind of already gone over this. There's a reason that Baltimore is a six-point favorite. Yes, they're at home, but even on a neutral site, based on what the usual calculation is, this is Baltimore being a three-point favorite. And I think Deontay Johnson's going to be out. They already don't throw the ball deep, but now it's going to be the Claypool show. Yeah, you have some deep targets. But I think that now they can play more shell, right? They can play more um, shell coverage. They can play a little more zone and then bring a safety down the box to make sure that Najee Harris doesn't go off. I think the Ravens end up winning this one because they put up more points than the Steelers. Pretty simple. Tennessee at the Texans. Again, this one is a little concerning for Tennessee. They may be to make sure that they are on their P's and Q's and that they're not tight knowing that they have to win a game, especially if Kansas City wins the night before or the day before. And the Texans aren't terrible. They're not as talented as other teams, but they play hard. It's going to be hard for you to justify firing David Culley next season unless there is a clear upgrade to David Culley. And an upgrade is not some dude who's this alleged offensive guru 
that's coming along that's young and whatever. Remember, Joe Brady was actually talked about as being the next LSU head coach or an NFL head coach early in the season. He got fired (laughs) during the season. So that's how fickle these stud offense coordinators and whatever can be. Maybe David Culley is good at his job. And maybe you need to just build around that. Jets and the Bills, this should not be a contest. And the reason I say it shouldn't be a contest is simply because, okay, the Bills are at home. The Bills almost have to play it out the way that they need to. The Bills have way more talent. And the Jets shot their quote-unquote load last week against the Bucks. I think that mentally that got to them, not winning that game. I think the Bills come out, they throw the ball over top of a team that honestly can't defend against it. They don't have a pass rush. I think that they dominate this game. The 16 points here, I usually don't like a point spread this big, but I would almost tell you to take the Buffalo Bills on this one, as I think they went by like 21. The Rams and the 49ers. Now, it's only a four and a half point spread at home with the Rams against the 49ers. Reason being, 49ers are generally able to affect the Rams because the Rams are aggressive with running the ball, a lot of motion, and then play action passing. And then the other thing that they're able to do is not let not let Jalen uh, Jalen Ramsey be effective. So they will move Debo Samuels to the backfield to make the numbers bad for the Rams. They will put him in the slot, knowing that the Rams don't want to move him into the slot effectively, especially if it's going to be some sort of odd action with him. They make sure that their best player on offense, yes, George Kittle's probably technically better, but he's been the best player this year. Make sure that he's freed up. I think the Rams do less Ram stuff this time. I think the Rams dare the 49ers to beat them through the air and not with, you know, they say, okay, we want you to be patient. We're going to put points on you because we can throw over the top of you, but we want you to be patient. And I think that's how they get the 49ers in this one. And what should be a fairly close affair, but I have the Rams winning this one by seven. Patriots and the Dolphins. This should be a more difficult matchup than people realize. Now, The Dolphins have played pretty well. They've won a bunch of games. They lost miserably last week to the Tennessee Titans. And I think to some extent, the Patriots are going to do what they did, what the Titans did. They're going to affect Tua. And again, people want to throw Tua away. If there's a better option than Tua, fine. Take him. He's not available in the draft this year. He's just not. I'm sorry. I don't think... Whether it's Matt Corral or Kenny Pickett, like those dudes, even if it's Malik Willis, I don't think that there's, at this stage, legitimate upgrades to Tua for you when you have other things to fix. Maybe you get a Russell Wilson or something like that down the line. Maybe you get Aaron Rodgers on the way out the door, whatever it may be, but it is what it is. Remember Tank for Tua? This is kind of why I hate, 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 hate organizations and the fans, they get affected by organizations and these mantras of stupidity when we tell them, you want to lose games to try to get better. You know how dumb that is? You know who doesn't say that dumb stuff? Winners. You know who doesn't trust the dumbass process? Winners. You don't try to lose to get better. The only time you might do that is if for some reason you were terrible that season and in the second half of a game, the Bucks did it back the year before they drafted Jameis Winston. The second half of the game, you're like, you know what? Now we can quote-unquote tank. But if you're doing it during the season, you know how stupid that is? You know how much of a loser you are? That's You're losers. If you want to tank for someone, 
and it's an actual thing that you're trying to do. You are a loser. You're a terrible franchise, and you deserve to lose for the rest of your existence till you get some winners in there. Good lord. Jeez. You all literally used to say tank for two, and now you want to get rid of the man. Suck for luck back in the day. Sever for Trevor. Whatever people, whatever these dumb things people want to say, and then a the guy gets there and he's not as good as you expect him to be because maybe it's because you were a bum organization and put stuff around him. So anyway, off my soapbox. I hate that. I, I can't be too mad at fans about that, but good goodness. Especially local media. What's wrong with you? Why are you losers? Why are you losers? You want your organization to lose. Because hope is better to losers than actual work and success. Because people think success just happens. Winners continuously strive to be successful. Losers have hope. Because what makes losers feel good about themselves because they can't feel good about their own stuff. I'm so sorry that I'm getting off the subject, but it's so frustrating to hear teams want to lose so they can eventually win. Not knowing that losers never win. Or you know what? I'm going to say rarely. They rarely win. All right, so in another divisional matchup, the Seattle Seahawks playing against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, this is going to be a weird one to me. I actually like the Seahawks in a close one here, and here's why. I think they play well against the Cardinals in general, and the Cardinals are a big play offense in some respects, and the, Car and the, the Seattle Seahawks don't give up uh, nearly as many big plays as you might think they do, especially not on the exterior. So... And with James Conner out, this is kind of a, an odd scenario for them. And Seattle's kind of found their groove on the offensive side. And I think they can throw the ball over the top on the Cardinals. I think they end up winning this one, knowing that the Cardinals probably situationally will. They're not going to scoreboard watch, but they're going to scoreboard watch. Someone will find out that the Rams are kicking the 49ers tail and they might just mail this one in. I don't like these Week 18 games because a lot of them are affected by other ones and it changes the math on betting. I'd usually tell people stay away from them unless it's something that's a little safer. We'll get to a game that's a little safer to bet on uh, in a second. The last game on the 425 slate is the Panthers and the Bucks. Now listen, again, I think that the Panthers don't win this game because, to be candid, the Bucks are just a better team. And the Panthers are just done. They're done this season. They've mailed it in. If they do get a victory, it's going to be because the Bucks sat everyone, Okay everyone they're too good of an organization led by too good a leadership and what i mean by leadership is on the field not the head coach I'm talking about the brady's of the world and i'm talking about the coordinators of the world the todd Bowles, not the head coach not a fan we've gone through this but yeah i think the bucks end up getting the victory even if it's not the eight points to cover that's a weird line i think i understand why they made that one because if this was full bore bucks bucks would probably win this by by 20. We saw what happened the last time they played, but it's not full board bucks, and this might end up being a seven-point victory, or even the Panthers end up pulling off some sort of odd upset, but I just think the Bucks are going to win a close one. And then the game that is one of the few that I would actually bet on, and it's because both teams have to play. It's a, it's a win and get in. That's why they made it the Sunday night game. Uh, it's the Chargers and the Raiders. Now, the Raiders are hosting this one. The Chargers are three-point favors. That's clearly because people think that the Chargers are better than the Raiders. Here's what I'm going to say about this one. I think people sleep on how good the Raiders are playing above some of their issues and deficiencies. Because they seem to be a very cohesive unit. And how much of an underachieving unit the Chargers have been this season. Seriously, the Chargers 
based on the talent they have, especially the quarterback position, so physically gifted, they've lost games that they had no reason losing. And they really shouldn't be in this position. The Chargers should honestly be at this point 12 and 4 or 11 and 5 with a playoff position locked up and competing for the division. But they're not. And it's because of them. The Raiders should honestly have gone in the tank. Kudos to them. I actually thought before the season, I said this, I could see the Raiders ending up with a 5 and 12 or 6 and 11 record because things in the middle of the season would start to go left with John Gruden because they always do with John Gruden because that's what John Gruden has been for his entire career and he's been able to fool a bunch of you all into thinking that John Gruden is better than he is. Doesn't mean he doesn't know football, doesn't mean he's not highly intelligent, but he can sometimes be a highly intelligent snake oil salesman and um, I thought that things would go in the tank and people would blame Derek Carr because he's an easy scapegoat even though honestly he wouldn't have been the problem. Well now that they don't have the distraction that is John Gruden, they have a much better than giving credit for a quarterback and a team with some talent. Those dudes are playing well. I think they end up making the playoffs. And even though I don't think this is a, a a powerhouse for years to come, I think they end up making the playoffs and being a frustrating team. I think the Raiders win this one in a close one, probably by three or four. Um, late fourth quarter drive type deal. I trust Derek Carr more than I trust Justin Herbert. I may have in... Uh, uh, last week's week side Wednesday talked about Justin Herbert. It looked like he was ranked ahead of him. If anything, he's ranked on a tier of his team. Trust him. I said this about Derek Carr. Derek Carr is underrated because his team seems not to trust him. But to be honest, I trust Derek Carr much more than Justin Herbert. Like if, if everything I owned was online, I'd rather Derek Carr than Justin Herbert at this stage of their careers. That does not mean trajectory and projections for the next 10 years right now i usually tell people this and i stick to it hey your mom's life's on the line i know no one ever wants to hear that you don't want to think of it but your mom's life's on the line who would you rather you just need to win a game who would you rather and now it puts stress and you really need to think instead of putting this well you know eventually he'll be better at the no right now immediate i would trust Derek carr in any instance over Justin Herbert right now because he's a better quarterback right now. So yes, I expect the Raiders to get the W, get in the postseason. Kudos to them for holding up through a bunch of stuff that's been happening. And I like to hear the story just because they have a couple of dudes who are going through recovery on that team. And, you know, I have my own personal thing with my, uh, with my mother where I am so proud of her for having gone through recovery and still kicking tail doing it more than three decades later. Uh, just like to brag on it because, you know, ever since April 2nd of 1990, that Joker has been clean and sober. So, those are all the games for week 18. All right, folks. So that's the Turf Talk Thursday of this week. Uh, again, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's the best way to get football-related information. Uh, some of it might be wild, wacky. You might even think that I don't like white people. I only bring that up like that because someone asked me if that was true or actually made the statement and I was like, well, that's not true, but I can see how it's a wild wacky place and people might think stuff like that, but that's just simply not true. Read my content, read the actual questions that are asked and think about it from a logical standpoint of what I'm saying. 
And that follow is at CJ Florida nine. That's at CJ Florida spelled out in the number nine. One of the questions was, should we start to have a serious conversation about Trevor Lawrence? I even said, I think he's talented. I think he's good and he's a good dude. I root for Trevor Lawrence. I think that he's going to be good in the NFL. And again, and sorry, I had to pause the show because again, there's some noise outside. My apologies. But I asked the questions about Trevor Lawrence because no one's really asking them. I've looked around on TV shows, whether it's on ESPN or CBS or Fox or any major outlet. Why are we having more conversations about how bad Trevor Lawrence has been and was in college in big games? Again, I rated him as my number one quarterback coming out this year, but I rated him very similarly to Justin Fields. The reason that I'm saying this is because there's several things that were said about Trevor Lawrence that weren't about Justin Fields. Generational talent, which is just false. He's the safest quarterback to come out since Andrew Luck, but he's not generational. I discussed that last week. Generational talent is someone like, I don't know, Cam Newton or uh, Josh Allen. Those are generational Madden creator player type talents. The other one. Didn't discuss much of his deficiencies. All you heard was, oh, number one pick, period. Okay, so discuss him from the perspective of what does he need to improve on. Nope, just number one pick. Best guy since Andrew Luck. Meanwhile, Justin Fields was dissected. And this is why, if there were a quarterback that looked more like myself, that came out that was just given this, boom, right there, you know, no issues, then I probably would have the same take that I have on Trevor Lawrence. In fact, a guy that came out in 2015 that I had questions about. James Winston. Now, did I think he was really good? Yep. I thought he was in the same ilk as Trevor Lawrence. But some of the same issues that Trevor Lawrence has, James Winston had. So, listen, when you go too far on one side, I'm going to come back to aggressively on the other side. Maybe that's my own thing and something I need to improve on. But that's why you may see some questions like that. It's not, Trevor Lawrence is trash. You'll never see me say that because it's not true. You may see things like Josh Allen is not elite. And it's because I don't believe that there's many elite quarterbacks in the NFL. In fact, if everyone's elite, then elite means nothing. I've said that there's four of them. I don't even believe the guy who I show so much support for him, Lamar Jackson is elite. I just don't. So if you read my tweets without and just read them, the words, without your own opinion on them. Realize, I'm asking questions that aren't being asked in other places. And I would like for people to answer them with stuff that's not, you're stupid or you're an idiot. Real conversations. I like debating. I like conversations. I like to learn. So that's what my Twitter hopefully can do for you. Even if it looks abrasive to you, it's probably because, I don't know, you're not ready to face some of the things of people that might have a differing opinion from you. Because I'm always willing to debate anyone and I feel confident myself to do so. And even if I don't win, I will show good face on it because I know my talents. All right, folks. So this is Chris James signing off. Turf Talk Thursdays uh, with the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast. Enjoy the football that's coming up this week. And the last show of the week will be done tomorrow. I will be doing Fantasy Football Fridays, and I will be looking at 2022. Just a quick overview. So take care, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.